0: Today's podcast is presented in part by the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. New for 2018, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be contested at IHRA tracks around the country with a $10,000 to win Saturday, $5,000 to win Sunday format. By pre-entering the Saturday race for just $150, you'll receive an entry to
1: Sunday's race for free. In addition, today's podcast is presented by the Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge. Unfortunately, Galen and Britt had to postpone this weekend's Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge because of a tropical storm coming up through the area. Stay tuned for more information on a rescheduled date.
0: Jed, we've got another big episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on tap tonight. We have got Devin Eisenhower, recent... U.S. National Super Gas winner. We've got JJ's top 10. We're going to push that to the end of the show with the idea being that everyone has to listen until they get to JJ. So you're going to have to listen to the whole show. <laughs> We've got race in action from all over. We've got a couple of good racer confidential stories of some new submissions. We've got some some bad beats that might be a new segment. Maybe. We'll see how it goes. I got an idea that it might be cool, and then I got an idea that it might be a, mint, a whip. <laughs> because like I don't want to hear everybody's bad beats, but we got some good ones. But first, Big Jed, what everybody's talking about?
2: Gotta hear this! This week on what everyone is talking
1: about—it's the big, 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 big go, 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 go. <laughs> is that
0: how they call it up there? I've actually never heard that, but it is the big go. It is the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. It is indie. Big Jed. We are having a podcast. In full disclosure, we're recording this a lot later than normal. It's getting really close to my bedtime. Yes. It's probably past your bedtime. It's definitely past producer Mark's bedtime. He's out there on the East Coast. But we can't have a podcast the day or two after Labor Day without starting it with the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals.
1: Now, obviously, it is the big go, Luke. It is the signature event on the NHRA Tour for the pros and the sportsmen, and by all indications, it was another amazing event. And, you know, as we will discuss some of the the winners and and some of the important stuff about points and things that you know and, and like, but let's start out with Rambo, getting number 98, Luke. Yeah, David Rampey
0: with another U.S. Nationals victory in competition eliminator over Greg Camplain, two guys that are no stranger to the U.S. Nationals winner's circle. Rambo, friend of the podcast. Crew Chief Barry, friend of the podcast. Always good to see those guys in the winner's circle. And Rambo just keeps on keeping on, two wins away from triple
1: digits. Yeah, that's, I mean, obviously we know Fletcher and his success, but Rambo... Obviously going to have his name way at the top of the list in sportsman racers when his time is done Number 98 and he's not done Luke He's very competitive and obviously in comp eliminator and super stock So I think he's gonna get to that hundred number very very soon
0: Think it'll be by the end of 2018?
1: I really do. I really feel like
0: it will It's hard to bet against that. So David Rampey notches career win number 98 He's been there before. The other winners at this year's U.S. Nationals, by and large, you had two first-time winners. You had two other drivers in the sportsman categories collect just the second win of their careers, second national event win of their careers, which is not completely uncommon. But when you think indie you tend to think, well, it's such a long, drawn-out event that the racers with the experience, the racer that's been there before has a little bit of an edge. Not necessarily the case.
1: Yeah, not always. Obviously, this time around, that was not the case. There were some very experienced racers in the late rounds with an opportunity to put their name on the list, some for the first time, some for, you know, second or more. But they kind of the – well, unless they're say newbies, but the, the more – unknown of the the options were seemingly getting the win lights the final win lights yeah no doubt stock eliminator case in point
0: tc morris who is no stranger to the Winter circle tc has been tearing him up in the kentucky area certainly for decades a heck of a racer but this was his first career national event win and what better stage to do it on he got the stock eliminator victory over Jim and jerry emmons jerry was red in the final round and that was on the heels of a pretty epic semi-final heads-up race that uh, Jerry had with Larry Hill, both of them B-Stock Automatic, both of them super fast, huge wheelies, fun race to watch. And Jerry actually got outrun by like a hundredth. That was real close, had a little bit on the tree to advance to the final. But then again, back in bracket trim, which looking at the dial in, I don't think Jerry changed much. I think he pretty much had to leave it on kill because he had data from that semifinal heads up, but then turned it red in the final to TC Morris. A couple of things that stood out to me from Indy A, it was Indy. We'll talk a little bit about the final rounds in particular were kind of bizarre, but by and large, leading up to that point, it was pretty nasty more often than not. And that led to some of our uh, – th- this new segment that I've dreamt up here. I teased it a little bit in the open, bad beats. And I talked about how like this might catch on and be really cool. And then I could also foresee us getting like 50 messages a week of everybody complaining about their bad beat. That's not what I want at all. <laughs> not really interested but there was a couple that stood out to me one my buddy rick hughes
1: rick hughes deserved better big jed he did um (laughs) you know you you get to that point luke and that event and you lay down 14 total you're (sighs) you're eighth out from perfect at the start you're sixth out from perfect on the dial you win just plain and simple you win let me preface this a little bit rick hughes Super Comp racer from
0: Indianapolis. This is his hometown event. Obviously, it is the big go, right? Rick rolls through the first four rounds of competition, which at Indy, in Super Comp, was contested over three days. He won first round Thursday evening. He won second and third round Friday. He won fourth round Saturday morning. So fifth round, Sunday morning, eight cars left, the big go. Now, he's racing Gary Stinnett, so obviously, you got to make a good run. Four, Four world championships in the other lane. Two Indy victories. you got to make a good run. Rick Hughes is 008 and drops to 90 with a 6. Keep in mind, neither one of them have been down the racetrack in 24 hours. That's supposed to win. Gary Stant mm. says, thank you for playing. 004, 90 with a 6. Rick Hughes packs it up and goes home. That is a bad beat. But Jed, that is nothing compared to the final round of Superstock. That one was pretty tough. <laughs> this is the epitome of the bad beat. Dale Holquist rolls around. Semi-final round, perfect on the tree. Okay? Dale Holquist, it's easy to back down at that point, right? Going to the final round at Indy, you were just perfect. Like, human nature is to back off a little bit. Dale Holquist didn't back off a bit. Turns it three thousand red. That sucks, right? Red in the final at Indy. What sucked a lot worse was when Dale Holquist <laughs> either... Got to look back in the other lane, because if he took one look back, he knew that his opponent, Dennis Stewart, was not where he was supposed to be. And if he didn't, he got the time slip, threw up a little bit in his mouth. Dale Hulquist, three thou red in the final at Indy. He airs it out just for good measure and goes dead on. Ouch. Hey, okay, that hurts. But that don't hurt near as much as seeing that your opponent behind you, two o three on the tree.
1: Yeah, you're you're negative three. Let's just say both cars go dead zero just for for fun. So you're negative three. You and your opponent go dead zero, and you get there exactly two tenths in front. That mm. when you don't hear them, see them, nothing. That you know that it didn't go very well in the other lane, and you're you got a little salt in the wound there. So that's definitely what happened to Dale. Okay, now. Listeners, don't take this the wrong way. Dennis
0: Stewart won the U.S. Nationals, and he was nasty along the way. Like, you throw out one light, his worst light in superstock on the bottom is 19 leading up to the final. And the final is 203. Okay. And he got away with it. He won. He will always have that U.S. Nationals Wally on his mantle. Florida, I believe. We looked that up because I was thinking he might have been from Alabama, and I was wrong. So, I, but that begs the question, Big Jed, would you rather win the U.S. Nationals with a 203 light? Or runner up indie
1: with a three thousand thread light. This one I is mean
0: I know very, the obvious answer.
1: Very easy, yes. <laughs> I would I would rather win with a two oh three light every time. Now it's you don't feel as good about it? No. But somewhere along the line over the years, that two hundred three light is gonna get closer to perfect. As you look at that that's trophy, a, tell your story. That's a really good point. Because today
0: It's easy to be a prisoner at the moment and say, I'd rather go down swinging. I'd rather be three thou red. And honestly, that is my typical outlook on race. And like if I went red, I'll sleep fine at night knowing I went down swinging like I was trying, right? Yeah. If I was late in the final, I would feel like I let the pressure get to me. I choked, whatever the case may be. But to your point, 10 years from now, shoot, two years from now, nobody cares. And you got that trophy.
1: Yeah, and they're going to ask, you know, somewhere along the line, 10 years from now, so you won the U.S. Nationals? Yeah, yeah, I won it. And, uh, my guy was double o three red. What was you? I don't know, seventy, eighty. I missed it, but I don't remember what it was. No, it was 203, Dennis. But it's yeah, all well, good. You still got the trophy and the check, bro. You know,
0: in, in our younger days, Jed, you could get away with that a lot better. Now we got this thing called the Internet. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, oh, man you you're 203 but <laughs> nonetheless we can't take it away from him. dennis stewart awesome job up until the final and he is your u.s nationals champion super comp, my man joe hesling got the win over gary Stinnett and the aforementioned gary Stinnett. and this final was really cool for A number of reasons. Number one, I would say personally, and uh, this could obviously be debated, but I think this was a final round of confrontation that included two of, if not the two, sharpest minds in the superclasses in general. Gary Stennett, obviously four-time world champion, Stennett carburetor, Stennett engines, superclass authority. Joe Hessling, not the skins on the wall uh, by any means of a Gary Stennett, but really, really sharp guy this stuff people give john kyle all the credit at apd and john is a genius joey has been under his wing and joey is sharp if you have a problem in the super classic super categories and you talk to either one of those guys gary stent joe Hessling they're going to lead you in the right direction really sharp dudes and two guys that are basically just showing out at Indy. joey made a time run i think went 890 at 192 i saw that ticket yes with a new combination stint it goes 190 everywhere that's not common in that class i mean just to put that in bracket racing terms for those of you that speak eighth mile it's like 420s in either of them you know what i mean they they, that's that's fast they were the two i you can't say that they were the two fastest cars there they were the two fastest like normal looking super comp cars there rob Mosier was there with the car that he typically runs in top dragster. And on the last time yeah. trial session, Rob Moser went 890 with a 2 at 214. I saw that time slip. Yeah, yeah, 214. He didn't last long. Joey and, and Gary did. And obviously, like those two matching up, I mentioned earlier, Gary is the, the more accomplished of the two, particularly at Indy. And that's no slight to Joey. Joey is, uh, uh, I mean, Gary's tenant, four time world champion, won Indy twice. I think he's won 14 NHRA Super Comp national events, uh, well over 20 in four or five different categories. Um, he's done it all. But to say that he's more accomplished, no slight to Joey. Joey's a former national event winner, former All-Stars winner. All that was in Top Dragster. This is one of the few times that he'd run Super Comp. They go to the final together. Joey gets the nod. And then in Super Gas, this week's guest, Devin Eisenhower. We're going to have Devin on the show. Devin got the win at the big go over Steve Hoyt, All-Indiana Final. This was Devin Eisenhower. He's 21 years old now. This was his first national event when you couldn't pick a bigger stage or a <laughs> place to do it, right? Not only is it the big go, it's indie, right? It's also his home track. It's, he grew up not far from that fabled facility. And he needed to make the final at this event to overtake Aaron Kennard for the national points lead. Obviously, he did that and then went one step further with the win. And if that wasn't enough... He also advanced to the quarterfinal in SuperComp to put himself just one round back of current national points leader and reigning world champion, Austin Williams. To say it was a big weekend for Mr. Eisenhower, a bit of an understatement. We will have him on a little bit later in the show
1: to tell us about it from his perspective. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to Devin about that. Uh, you know, the obviously the pressure of Indy. I'm sure he had you know friends and family there, given it's his home track, and then you add in that you need to make the final to get the national points lead and you're running another category there's so much happening around him and, and for him to accomplish what he did had to feel extra special looking forward to hearing his take on that yeah ice water
0: ice water in the veins of Devin eisenhower we'll, we'll ask him about it near doubles which i always think is interesting at indy because it's never happened no one has ever doubled at the big go scotty richardson got close uh, i don't even know the year i remember watching this on tv uh, like the final rounds were broadcast live. I'm, I was not old enough to drive a race car, so it's been a while back. And they ran, like the stock final was the first thing out. And Scotty runs that, and he wins. And then they run everything else out of order. Like, you know, you, you'd think you would, whatever, they ran Super Gas. And then they ran something else. And my dad's like, they're not even going to show Super Comp. And I'm like, no, Dad, they got to wait for Scotty to come back around. This is before the time of the internet. Like nobody knew that Scotty Richardson's in the final. I just had a lot of faith in Scotty. Grew up worshiping the man. Well, sure enough, they pan forward after like the Superstock final, and there's Scotty rolling into the water for the final of Supercomp, where he got beat. To, I believe that was lost to Bill Yates, if I remember right. David rampy has been close. I believe he won comp and runner-up Supercomp one year, something like that. I, I believe they're the only two that have been in two finals in any. No one's ever doubled this year. Several got close. The closest and the most devastating was Joey Ship. Joey Ship advanced to the semifinals in Super Gas and Stock Eliminator, but took them both on the chin Monday afternoon. Didn't advance to either final round. That's rough. That's one. That's the highest mm. highs to the lowest of lows. Devin Eisenhower, who we just mentioned, got real close. Uh, win in Super Gas, lost in the quarterfinals of Super Comp. Stinnett and Rampy both were in late rounds, like late Sunday night in two classes. I think that Stinnett advanced to maybe the final eight or 16 cars in Superstock in addition to his runner-up in Supercomp. And same for Rambo. I think he went four or five rounds in Superstock as well in addition to winning competition eliminator. And I alluded to it a little bit before, but the one thing that stood out for as nasty as a lot of the competition was throughout the week, and that's not really typical of Indy just because it is so difficult to make good runs. I mean, like, There are, particularly if you go a couple of rounds, you literally have 24 hours between runs more often than not. Sometimes more than that, like particularly Sunday to Monday, that's a 30-plus hour window in between your runs. So laying down that sub-14 package, like not the easiest thing to do at all. But there was really good runs like across the board until the finals. Like the finals were Bizarre, odd, weird. Uh, we talked about Superstock, the 3,000s red to 203. The Super Comp final between Joey and Gary. They were both really competitive. I think Joey went 90 to Gary's 91, but they each posted their worst reaction times of eliminations in the final round. And the Super Gas final, which again we'll ask Devin about when he comes on with us. Steve Hoyt looked like he had problems. I don't know if he broke something, had to shut off, got loose, whatever the case may be. Devin takes like four tenths finish line to go 90. And you just look at the box score and all these and go, what in the world is going on here at Indy? Um, (laughs) After it had been so tight and so tightly contested all weekend. But um, more than anything, we've spent 10 minutes on this, maybe more. The big O's in the books. It was cool to watch from afar and obviously from the facility. The, there were some great stories in the pros. Terry McMillan getting the, the top fuel win. Stevie Jackson going from outside the field on Q5 to running the table in Pro Mod. Tanner Gray gets the win in Pro Stock. Lots of cool stuff that I think people remember, but as always, um, glued to the sportsman action. So huge congrats to... This year's crop of U.S. Nationals winners, obviously David Rampey, Dennis Stewart, T.C. Morris, Joey Hessling, and Devin Eisenhower.
1: Yeah, Luke, obviously great performance by those guys. It was a great event. It's in the books. It was a really hot weekend, but it's nowhere nearly as hot as our BTE Who's Hot, which we'll talk about next.
2: He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing.
1: BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item. The folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at bteracing.com. Luke? we got a hot driver and this is going to be fun for us because we we typically talk about the guys that are doing it on a really high level and something with national or even international exposure at times but today we're going to talk about young Kyle Wagner a division 6 junior dragster driver that had an amazing performance at the division 6 ET finals Kyle Swept all three days of the event. He won 18 straight rounds against the top juniors in his division, and he collected three walleys and a gambler's win over those three days. I mean, you can talk about the Super Pro guys winning thousands and tens of thousands of dollars and all that, but none of them probably felt as good as Kyle Wagner did after 18 straight round wins at the division finals.
0: Yeah, this is cool stuff. We, A, get to highlight somebody out west, which we don't get to do all that often, and B, uh, we try our best to shed some light on the junior dragster community here within the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, namely within JJ's Top 10, coming up a little bit later in the show. But I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, B-Jet, I am wrong BJ. i do not know that we've ever had like a junior dragster racer earn RBTE Who's Hot Award. And I don't remember this is so deserving. Like he ran the table. Kyle Wagner channeled his inner John LaBoose Jr. Spring fling circa. What was that? 2012, something like that. Where yeah. uh, little John basically ran the 2010. table. Twenty ten. Okay. 2010. Kyle Wagner did that at, The division six et finals which is obviously one of if not the pinnacle events on his schedule throughout the season so kudos to kyle and we'll recap a little bit of all of that division six et finals action from firebird raceway in boise the first of 2018's the first division to complete their division finals in 2018 we'll try to highlight all of these throughout the season
1: yeah, so if there's any uh, anybody out there that was expecting to hear a big name winning a, a big check or life-changing money, uh, just stop it right now, because this young man did something that is extremely difficult to do. He didn't. He didn't go to the Saturday Night Junior race where there's you know five or six or seven of them. He went to race the best of the best in his division and got 18 straight wind lights. And three Wallies, which is three more than a lot of people will ever collect. So great job, Kyle Wagner. Unbelievable performance out there and very deserving of this week's BTE Who's Hot. But Luke, as you mentioned, we'll talk some more about those winners here.
0: Yeah, the regular race, the main event, I guess, Super Pro winner in Division 6, Brad Patton got the win over Sean Schaefer. There's a name that we're familiar with. Pro, Steve Kelly, one of your buddies, Big Jed.
1: Yeah, my ran. man
0: win over lucas hull and sportsman it was gary howe jr over mark owens our motorcycle winner mark canty over don Vandehay. Junior Street, Cooper Chun over Ella Flett. Junior Thunder, that's the younger of the two junior divisions. Ryan Beese over Ryan Dick. And the Junior Lightning, that's the older of the two junior divisions. The aforementioned Kyle Wagner over Bobby Berkovich Jr. Now, I believe Big Jed, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the way that they do this in Division 6, unlike most of the divisions on this side of the country... Most of the divisions in, in our area send the winner of the, the Sunday event to Pomona to represent the division at the bracket Finals. I believe Division 6 and 7 are the only two that do that from the race of
1: champions. Yes, you are correct. Division six race of champions winners uh, go to Pomona to represent their division real quick. Back to the junior street winner, Cooper Chun. He's our buddy too. Cooper uh, and Steve, very tight, uh, very close families there. So great job. Cooper Chun and Ella Flett might be one of my top 10 names for the rest of the history. I just I don't know. Ella Flett. That's a good one. So, yes, Luke, as you mentioned, the uh, Race of Champions winners in Division 6 will go represent their division at the World Finals in Pomona. And uh, Super Pro, that was Pat Osmondson, got the win over Scott Ware. In the Pro category, it was Matt Kilman over Greg Hereford. Sportsman was Devin Froud, uh, again, the, the year of the Devin, over Laurie Winberg. Good catch. Yeah, I like that. That was a good job. Motorcycle was Scott Grandall or Grandale. Grandall, Scott G over Terry Holloway. Junior Street was Callie Deming over Grady Halverson. Uh, high School was Damien Chen over Thomas Vickers. Junior Thunder was Lindsey Miller over Sidney Young. And Junior Lightning again was Kyle Wagner over austin barner so congratulations to those division six race of champions winners and good luck at the world finals in pomona
0: yep and uh, the overall team championship from from division six portland international raceway i'm sure that they had a catchy team name should have done a little bit more research there to come up with that so i'm just gonna say let's call them the wildcats (laughs) <laughs> Portland International Raceway wild, wait, nice, nice work sick' cats.
1: <laughs> Great job, Portland. They were the winner of eighty six round wins. so congratulations to them on winning their finals. and uh, Luke at it, uh, it's that time of year where we'll be talking about plenty more ET finals here in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, look forward to that. That's a huge feature for every division, every grassroots bracket racer across the country. We look forward to shining the spotlight on them. Big Jed, we've got some more results to get to, but first, we teased it earlier, we're going to have one of the youngest and one of the most recent NHRA U.S. Nationals champions join us on the show. We will welcome in Devin Eisenhower. After this quick break, we will make him the big interview.
2: It's time for The Big Interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jen.
0: Uh, Joining us now is the 21-year-old super gas winner of the NHRA U.S. Nationals, Devin Eisenhower. Devin, as we mentioned earlier in the show, enjoyed his first NHRA National Event win on the biggest of stages at The Big Go. The way it gets better, Devin's win at Lucas Oil Raceway came at what he considers to be his home track in front of what we can assume was a big collection of friends and family. Better yet, the victory continues an incredible season. Young Eisenhower needed to advance to the final round of Super Gas this past weekend at the U.S. Nationals to take over the NHRA National Points lead, which he obviously did. Wait, I'm still not done. Devin also advanced to the quarterfinal round in Super Comp, which moved him into second place in the national standings in that category, just a round behind reigning champion Austin Williams. Devin, welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast.
3: Hey, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Devin, uh, (laughs) that's quite an intro there. I mean, 21 years old and performing at this kind of level, man. Uh, Just congrats on basically a dream weekend, but uh, again... Positioning yourself as you have in the points, it's got to feel really good.
3: Yeah, it does feel really good. We we put uh, our goal at the beginning of the year, and we're just trying to strive to strive to achieve it. And we're just gonna try to finish the year hard, and and see where where I end up. Yeah, I don't know
0: exactly where those goals were but if you're not on pace right now, be a problem in goal setting so you guys are doing <laughs> awesome. Devin, give us a little bit of background info. Like I've been racing with you for a couple of years now, but I don't feel like I really know you that well. I know that you guys were you were very successful in junior dragsters. I know that you won the first NHRA Lucas Oil event that you ever attended. Uh, I believe that was Super Comp Gateway in 2015. Hmm. You won last year's Division Three Super Gas Championship, and now you're, I don't know if dominating is the right word, but you seem to be dominating, um, arguably the two most competitive categories in NHRA competition. That's a heck of a rapid progression through the ranks. I guess in your own words, could you take us back a little bit to how this all got started, maybe the, the CliffsNotes version of your racing career to this point?
3: Well, I mean, if we're going to do the Cliff Notes version, we're going to say that it started by a couple of margaritas with my mom. We went out to dinner, and uh, my mom wasn't really too fond of starting racing, and my dad really wanted to. And my mom had a couple of margaritas, and before we knew it, we had a junior dragster and started racing. <laughs> All
0: right, step one get mom liquored up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's what you got to do. <laughs> and um, then, whatever. Um, I started when I was nine years old and just been racing ever since been at the track every weekend and it's been an awesome family experience.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. <laughs> you get in any way you can, obviously you did. So, uh, Devin, walk us through the preparation coming into Indy. Obviously it's, it's Indy, it's unique, it's different. It's, it's the biggest race that you go to. Is it any different for you since it's a home race and is your mindset any different from years past, you know? With your championship hopes, and obviously coming in this race, no one a lot would rest on your performance for how you would attack the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, we came into the race and we we knew it was going to be a tough one because of uh, how there's considered to be like four first rounds because you you wake up in the morning and there's a different weather change and we just wanted to make sure that we had uh, a good grip on what the weather was doing so that we could go out there and run close to ninety every pass and uh, we kept in mind what the uh, points were and we knew what we needed to do every round and we just try to go out there and execute i would say job well done young man
0: speaking to super gas at indy just the the one race obviously i, I always say when you come back from a, a massive win like you just did like it seems like inevitably everyone always says that you got to get a, a lucky round i kind of look at it both ways like i feel like you kind of have to get away with one somewhere along the line, a, a round that might not normally win and it falls into place. But on the flip side of that, like you typically have to, I call it, stand on your head and drive incredibly well run one round where it just happens to come up against an opponent in that particular situation where you had to be near perfect. Do you have mm-hmm. one of those on either side or both, a round that you kind of got away with and around that you felt like, oh, man, I really did a good job there and needed to?
3: Yep. In the quarterfinals when I raced Jack Collier, it was a, a really good race. I was 005, and he was 014, and we just uh, went down there and drove the finish line, and I ended up coming up on the right side of it, and that was a, it was a really good race to, to be able to get to race on Monday, so the stakes were very high in that race. My lucky round, I would honestly say, would be your final round. I don't know if you saw what happened, but I I got a little bit lucky, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah, it was one of our questions for you, so I'm glad you're addressing it.
3: Walk us through the final. So we first started, and we rolled through the water box, and they pushed us back, and I'm not too sure what what it was for, but the camera was in my face, and, and I was just—did uh, my burnout, and I staged. And when I let go, I, I knew I had the tree, and we we come off the throttle stop, and, and I know that—I've raced Steve White before, and I, I know what the closure rate normally is, and, uh, yeah, he's when, I, when I come off the stop, yeah, he, he's like 174 mile an hour. And, uh, I came off the stop and I I knew I had him. I, well, I, I knew I was further ahead than I should have been. And I, I was thinking to myself that, okay, I, I, if I don't mess this up, I could win it. And I go down there and I just, I wasn't even thinking. And I, I went down with the seven. I, uh, we set up to be about 89, zero or 89, five. So I knew that if I went down there and I ripped it a couple times, i would be good to take the stripe. And Steve, uh, he, he actually got towards the center line, and he had to let out of it.
2: Oh. Or,
3: uh, it might have been the wind or him looking over. I'm not sure what it was, but I ended up going dead seven to him, which is like 10-20. But I'd say that that was definitely my lucky round. It just Things just fell into place
0: absolutely now let me walk that back a little bit to something you said earlier like you're rolling up for the final round of the u.s nationals and as if you don't have enough pressure eyeballs the weight of the world on your shoulders they shut you off in the water and pushed you back
3: yeah it it was crazy i was like (laughs) i was in my zone i was ready to go and then all of a sudden they shut us off and and even on top of that the the guy with the cameras got the camera like pictures for my face i'm like what are you doing i'm just i'm trying to sit here and focus and this camera is right next to me it's just it was crazy what a tease! Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: little different than you normally deal with on a on a regular event. But uh, so Devin, you're you're a little more than 24 hours removed from Monday at Indy, which people dream of just participating in. You you win it. People talk about the atmosphere and how unique it is. Was it different from anything you've been a part of in the past? And tell us what it's like on Monday at the Big Go.
3: It's just amazing. You you roll up there and you see the the people in front of you when when a certain pair wins they're they're going crazy and celebrating you know, i'm just hoping that i can do my job and i, I can celebrate just like they have so the, the stakes are high and i was just wanting to pull it off for us
1: so you get up monday and just go through your normal routine do you do anything different what was your feeling like as from the time you woke up to to starting to compete
3: it was so much more different because on the previous days we'd we'd wake up early and we'd be the first couple pairs or the first couple classes. But on Monday, we, we didn't run till like two 30 and uh, it gave us time to go up there and, and watch some of the pros and really, really take it all in. And so it was, it was a lot different than before in the previous days. So we just had to follow the weather and, and watch what it was doing because of how much hotter it was and run later in the day with the track temperature being a lot higher.
0: Yeah, no, that's something that the average like, bracket racer, I don't think, realizes at all in national event competition. And obviously, everything gets amplified and magnified at Indy. But typically, you make it to Sunday, or in this case, Monday at a national event, and you wake up fired up and ready to do this thing. And as you said, Devin, particularly at Indy, you've been used to, what, for four or five straight days being basically the first class on the racetrack. And then mm, yeah. on Monday, when it all matters, you wake up ready to go. And as you mentioned, like you're not going to go down the track until what two thirty in the afternoon. It can make for a mm. long, long morning, especially at Indy, like I say, where everything is is magnified. And that, I guess. Brings me to my next question, like, I know you talk about this, and, and and I can hear in your voice, like, yeah, it's a big moment, and you, you see, you know, everything that's going on, and the atmosphere, and the electricity, in the air, and everything like that, but I don't know, man, like, pressure doesn't seem to resonate with you like it doesn't seem to be a thing if it is you certainly don't show it or or don't have a negative response to it like can you explain at all or put into words how you're able to kind of compartmentalize that in these big moments and put your best foot forward
3: yeah i just uh i try to go up there and not think about it because it seems like if i go up there and want to tell myself that i need to crush the tree and get a good light i'll I'll do the complete opposite so I just I go up there and try to clear my mind and sometimes I'll even use the uh, the reaction time tester on my delay box to to help me see the flash a couple times and if I do that and I keep my mind clear typically I can go up there and, and do half decent.
0: Is this something like that you feel like you need to focus on regularly or is this kind of like a trained response from years of success and like confidence built up over time would you say one more than the other?
3: I would say that it's probably just from experience and being having made so many laps. And uh, back when I was racing in juniors, I'd make almost 500 laps a year. So I'm I'm used to being in the car, and I I was successful in juniors. So I've I've it's not my I've went rounds before, and I've been in the pressure before. So it's uh, I've just kind of gotten. I want to say I got used to it, but I just I've done it a couple times to where I'm able to try not to mess up
0: right well i mean obviously you trust yourself in those spots for our listeners that aren't as aware and honestly for my own knowledge like walk us through what were some of the bigger or more notable accomplishments of your junior dragster career
3: i've won the uh the division four times and uh which is it's a race that's held once a year Mm -hmm. and uh for each division and i i won the division three i won that twice and i I uh, went up to Iowa for the uh, Division Five finals, and I won that twice. And those were uh, for the uh, like the Division championship to win the Wally. and mm-hmm. I also, back when I ran juniors, it was just starting to get to where it was big money racing. and i I was managed to win a couple five thousand dollars races, which back in there back in that day was it was pretty big.
1: It still is, <laughs> yeah, I and mean, especially in a junior dragster. But uh, that's a heck of an accomplishment, even if it was a few years ago. Devin, as we mentioned, you know the championship race is obviously heating up. It's that time of year. Luke he's real good at this stuff. He says your chances are stronger for a title in Super Gas than in Super Comp, but you're obviously Correct. in contention for both titles. You know, a double championship's only been done three times, and only once has it been done in the combination of classes that you run in Super Gas and Super Comp. And that was Scotty Richardson in in 1994. Any predictions or thoughts on the title chase as you come into the home stretch of the season?
3: I think I I've got I definitely have a better chance in Super Gas. Um, I'm sitting at 590 points right now, which in the past hasn't won it but i have a couple of races left that i can uh, improve on with with the dragster i have one more race left that i can run it's uh it's not looking too good for that class but if i go out there and I win it uh we're going to ready next and if i go out there and win that in Supercomp, i think i'll have a better chance but uh, we'll see what happens
0: so are you completely claimed out of divisionals now you just have the two nationals left in gas
3: Yep, I'm uh, totally claimed out in divisionals. I have two more nationals that I can run in Supergas, and I have one more national that I can run in Comp.
0: Gotcha. I knew you told me in the stage lanes you'd been to one more race in the dragster. So. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, we will be rooting for you, and we will be watching with a great deal of interest to see how this thing shakes out. I'm sure by the time that uh, you run your next national event, or certainly your last national event in Supergas, this will come into focus a little bit better, but right now it looks like it's you and Aaron Kennard. Somebody else may throw their hat into that ring as you, the bar for superguyses may not be out of reach. It just doesn't look like anybody else is going to put up that massive score. So maybe be you two, and it will be fun to watch from the outside. It would be more fun if we were sitting in the seat of that Camaro where you're going to be, but it will be fun to watch as well. Devin, we typically finish these interviews off with a little bit of rapid fire. These are typically... um, Quick questions, quick answers, not always racing related. We've gotten to know you a little bit as far as what's going on inside the helmet and on the racetrack. So we're going to try to turn the tables just a little bit if you're up for it.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Favorite racer to watch? Luke Vagaki.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, favorite movie?
3: Uh, I would probably have to say, have to say Step Brothers. <laughs> Good. <man. laughs> that's a much better a answer than one. your first one
0: what is your biggest
1: addiction
3: um, drag racing for sure
1: <laughs> i can relate so devin you already know luke so excluding him you had to take him out of this but celebrity you'd most like to meet
3: uh i would say probably denzel washington he, i think he's a great actor
1: hmm.
0: Right, and the thing that Devin Eisenhower is the most afraid of? Mm,
3: losing. Four okay, we years. kept that really racing-related, so that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> well, I, it, it's really hard because like, everything I know and everything I've done in my life is racing, so everything just relates back to that with what I do with school and and racing every weekend for the past 10 years or so. Yeah. Well,
1: when you're as good at it as you are, Devin, it stays that way for quite some time. I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: No, man, awesome stuff. Thank you for uh, taking some time. I know your phone has been ringing off the hook the last, uh, what, 28 hours now, a little bit over that. Uh, Thank you for taking some time to join us here on the podcast. Best of luck as you try to hunt down that Super Gas Championship and maybe dual championship along the way. And man, again, congratulations. I know uh, from talking to your dad that you guys really soaked it all in yesterday. It's an awesome feat. An awesome story and an incredible year, man. So congratulations and uh, good luck in everything that's to come.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Enjoy it, Devin. Good luck the rest of the way, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Luke, we talked about the Division 6 ET Finals. There were some results there, but there's some also uh, some bracket racing on the, the calendar that we need to cover. One of those was the Labor Day No Box Classic at Kill Care Dragway. Our great friends at Loose Rocker Promotions, Uh Uh, Michael Beard and Anthony Walton put that on had some weather that challenged them over the weekend They did get their uh, 5k warm-up race in where gage birch got the win over rick bear a couple all-stars in the the bottom bulb there Also, caleb ellison got the gamblers win over nick bauman So that was a star-studded warm-up day there with some heavy hitters on the bottom The next day, given weather challenges and whatnot, they were going to try to run the 10K that they had left and the 5K on Saturday. They got to five cars left, and the 10K rain just stopped the program, ended their weekend. They had to split it up. It was Nick Bauman, Brian Bear, Jace Deering, Joe Oswald, and Joe Barney. Uh, They ran off uh, for the uh, loose rocker Big check and trophy on the practice tree where Brian Baer got that. So he collected the hardware over Jace Deering. August, uh, actually August, the same weekend was uh, 10 Grand Nationals at Summit Motorsports Park. We talked about that in What's on Tap last week where they got three days in, $10,000 a day. Friday's win was Mikey Sturgill over Mike Dunnell. Saturday, Joe Bose got the win over Skirt. Shout out to Skirt. I can hear it coming now. And Sunday, the red hot Kenny Underwood got the win over Dave Kenny. Another big check for Skinny Kenny. Yes, sir. That's,
0: that's all the news that is news from the 10 Grand Nationals. I didn't hear a car count this year. I assume it was big. It's normally big. Another big race that was going on was a Farmington Dragway, and that was Kevin Pollard's uh, Money Tree, triple 20s off the top. Uh, And some familiar names in the winner's circle there. Friday's 20 grander Timothy Thomas got the win over Shane Maddox. Those are two names that uh, most of us are familiar with. Looks Mm -hmm. like Saturday was a complete washout. Sunday saw Ernie Humes, who most are more familiar with for his work off the bottom bulb. I believe this was Ernie's first big top bulb victory. Uh, And what bigger way to do it than capitalize for 20 grand? He defeated the aforementioned Timothy Thomas in his second final round of the weekend. So uh, showing out there for Tim Thomas, if it hadn't been for Kyle Wagner's performance out in Division 6, Timothy Thomas was definitely
1: a candidate for this week's BTE Who's Hot. Yeah, great event there with Kevin Pollard and the folks at Farmington. Uh, last on our list, Luke, the IHRA Junior Dragster Team Finals at Little River Dragway in Holland, Texas. I used to uh, frequent Little River Dragway. It was called was Temple Academy Dragway back at that time. Uh, I was wondering if you'd been there. So I like have, you have been there.
0: It, uh, I assume it's still like this. But it was a very narrow facility lined with trees on both sides, so it didn't matter what you went. Like I think I started my racing career going like 790s there and could have swore – the eighth mile, 790s uh, – and could have swore I was going 200 miles an hour because there's a lot of stuff going by. <laughs> there's also – and I, I hope it's still there. There is bridge that ran across the racetrack, maybe at like the 400-foot mark. Wow. And I mean you couldn't drive like a semi under the bridge. It was a bridge to go to concession stand. Concession stand was on the spectator side. Like, it wasn't a super tall bridge. Like, I don't think you could drive a semi truck under it, but it was plenty tall enough to get whatever race car under it without issue. Every time I went under that bridge in my life, I ducked in the race car every time. (laughs)
1: That is a little unnatural to go under a bridge going down the track. It's different. In uh, the uh, individual races, the beginner's category was won by Gavin Lade over Slate Crisp. The advanced category was won over was won by Cameron Nelson, uh, got the win over Landon Exner. and the masters category was won by Hayden Trumbull, uh, got the win over Graham Rufinak. Yeah, oh, man. from Trumbull and
0: Rufinac, the, those are familiar names to that area. I, th- I think there might be a little bit of lineage there. Team standings, it was all Little River all the time. Little River Team 4 got the win <laughs> over Little River Team 2 and Little
1: River Team 1. Uh, Pine yeah. Valley snuck in
0: there somewhere, but it was mostly Little River.
1: Yeah, so Little River dominated that event at their home track. So that covers our results for this show, uh, Luke, we'll pay some bills, and then we got our favorite segment coming up. It's going to be JJ's Top Ten.
0: JJ's Top Ten. Today's podcast is presented in part by the great American bracket race and all-state Challenge, originally scheduled for this weekend, September 7th through the 9th, Public Service Announcement. The race has been postponed unfortunately due to the hurricane coming up through it looks like it's going to dump a lot of rain a lot of bad weather on memphis international raceway this weekend so Britt cummings Gaitlin rollison have pulled the plug for the weekend it will be rescheduled by the time that you listen to this that rescheduled date will probably be public knowledge but as we are recording it was still up in the air so stay tuned we will announce next week stay tuned to social media follow the um, great american bracket race facebook page Um, i'm sure that they will have that announcement in short order but this this race will happen it will be coming up later in 2018 it will not happen this weekend so if you are living under a rock and you are listening to this podcast on your way to the great american bracket race in memphis international raceway at memphis tennessee stop go somewhere else where it's not raining or go back home because it's not going to happen this weekend
1: Yeah, pretty excited about that, Luke. That's going to maybe get the slammers back in uh, when we get the rescheduled date. Guys, September the 28th through the 30th, the IHRA will bring their new Summit Sportsman Spectacular to Memphis International Raceway. Now, the main event will be Saturday's $10,000 to win race, while Sunday will pay $5,000, every bit of it guaranteed. Both races allow electronics, While no-box entries will be kept separate until one remains, that racer will receive a bonus of $1,000 on Saturday, and $500 bonus will be paid to the last one standing on Sunday if that racer is an IHRA Super Series member. They receive the bonus of $500. Now, no-box racers have won two of the main events thus far, $10,000 paydays. This event will provide a little something for everyone, guys. Ironman, big checks for the winners. There will be round prizes, contingency. There's a golf cart race, racer appreciation cookout, all of it for you, the racers. Don't miss it. Pre-enter now for only $150. and That's pre-entry for the Memphis event running until September the 17th. Pre-enter now at IHRA. Com.
2: you want to make it in a song to do the Justin lamb win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam you do the Kevin Brand and a smack across the land then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ oh, you've been waiting all in long... it's that time again with the little golden voice at drag racing JJ oh, like it it's time for JJ Top That's 10, it's time right to change there. it. I am the sharp it. optics. Top 10, time to change Seven take it's three it. three no good. it's time to change it. Top 10, it's JJ's Top 10 with JJ Pennington here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jay.
1: All right, as promised, we are welcoming in our only but our best drag racing sportsman drag racing podcast correspondent j.j pennington joined us tonight for j.j's top 10 actually kind of j.j's top 15 if you will but j.j how you doing tonight bud
2: doing good doing good
1: great it's great to have you on again you excited about this week's segment yes sir all right so just real quick um before we get into that, you know, just everybody needs to know that uh, you're 12. You'll be 13 in December, and you are now in what grade, bud? Seventh. Seventh grade, and, and we talked a little bit before because here in our hometown, seventh graders go to high school. Um, there's no middle school for us, so uh, JJ's entered the seventh grade to high school. and We talked a little bit before you, you entered high school, but we went to lunch one day and um, talk to a little bit about things you might see that's a little different from elementary school. You know, you remember that talk, right? Yes, sir. So on the second day of school, you were on the bench waiting on uh, mom to pick you up, and you realized you wasn't in elementary school anymore, didn't you? I did. Tell everybody why you realized that.
2: So I um I kind of sorta sat to next to a kid who um had a mustache and had tattoos. <laughs> so, so, okay,
1: <laughs> okay. So you, you knew you wasn't in elementary school anymore, but then you realized for sure, right?
2: That was that was the moment.
1: <laughs> okay. If well, I, I just wanted, I wanted everybody to know kind of kind of what, what you're have. dealing with. What's that?
2: If I could have moved over, I would have, but there was somebody <laughs> right next to me, so I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get any farther than what I was.
1: <laughs> you did good. You avoided any any conflict or controversy, so that was good. So, all right, bud. We got a big show. We've had a big show, and uh, and we're up to you now, but we want to do our favorite segment of the show, and that's JJ's top ten. So, Without uh, me talking more about it, we'll just let you take over here. Which one do you want to start with? We'll let you start top, bottom, or junior dragster.
2: I'll start with juniors.
1: All right. Tell us who's in the number five slot in the junior dragsters this week. All
2: right. Number five spot in the juniors is going to be Madeline Taylor. She got her first win at Huntsville Dragway by beating her brother in the final.
1: That was a huge win. Big night, big weekend for the Taylor family there at Huntsville. But uh, for Madeline to get that, that win over her brother, and it'd be her first one, that was huge. So, all right, bud, starting with the junior dragster category, who is your number five junior this week?
2: Madeline Taylor is going to be number five. She got her first win at Huntsville Dragway by beating her brother.
1: Yeah, it was a huge win for Madeline, uh, getting a victory over her brother. Obviously, a huge day and weekend for the Taylor family. So, great job by Madeline, getting that win over uh, Braden Taylor. So, very deserving. And number five, who do you have in the number four position?
2: C.J. Ketterer going to be number four. He won the NHRA Division One Wally in the 15- to 17-year-old class.
1: Yeah, C.J. performs really well on average and then uh, stepped up big time, got that win. That's uh, my buddy Mark Ketter's son. It's so great to see C.J. getting some attention. Great job by him. Who's number three?
2: Number three is going to be Isabella Ritchie. She had two wins at the Beaver Big Bucks Black.
1: Yeah, Isabella, I think, has uh, been on a roll here for the last little while, but uh, two big wins at the Beaver Big Buck Blast there by uh, the that uh, Beaver Springs Dragway there. So that was really big for her. Who's number two?
2: Number two is going to be Evan Mutchler. He has gone seven weeks in a row with wins.
1: Wow. And has
2: one NHRA Ironman trophy and a Midwest Junior 10- to 12-year-old championship.
1: Yeah, Evan (laughs) been on fire seven weeks in a row. He has turned on a win light, uh, the final win light. uh, Sometimes two day races, but uh, Evan really performing at a high level and deserving of the number two spot. So that only leaves us one spot left. Who tops the list in juniors, Bud?
2: The top's gonna be Kyle Wagner. He has swept all three days at the NHRA Division Six. Winning 18 straight rounds against the top juniors in the division and had three Wallies and three Gamblers over three days.
1: My <sighs> goodness! Now that's a, a Gage Birch-like uh, bracket finals for Kyle. But that 18 straight wins, um, really, really impressive. Then to get three Wallies out of it as well, just huge performance. We talked about him earlier. He was our BT Who's Hot but uh very Which might be
0: his biggest claim to fame i mean i'm sure he was happy about winning 18 straight rounds but <laughs> then to be the first junior dragster driver to like well exclusively junior dragster driver we gave it to gauge once didn't we I first, think so. first exclusively junior dragster competitor to get
1: our bte performance who's hot so that's pretty cool yeah, great job by Kyle. Very impressive performance and uh, one that's extremely hard to do in any category. So, Kyle Wagoner, your number one spot on J.J.'s top ten in junior dragsters. Where are we going next, bud? Top bulb or bottom bulb? Bottom bulb. Bottom bulb. All right. I like to hear these bottom bubbers. Who you got in the number five spot?
2: Number five is going to be Steve Kelly. He won the NHRA Division Six Bracket Finals.
1: Yeah, Steve, uh, obviously that's not a huge uh, event that a lot of people are capable of getting to, but it is a huge event to the Division Six racers that fight all year to get to their E.T. finals. And Steve to come out victorious was a really big deal, really proud of him. Uh, he's a, a friend of ours, so that helps him make the list, but it was a great accomplishment as well. So congratulations to Steve for being number five, who gets the number four spot.
2: Number four is going to be Gage Birch. He won a 5K in Lucas Walker's white Mustang.
1: Yeah, Gage getting that $5,000 win, and but we didn't talk about it when we put the list together because we didn't know, but Gage, I think his first time to sit in the car, gets, uh, gets the 5K victory and then comes back. I guess he was hanging out at Lucas Walker's house and decided to run over to St. Louis and race on a whim no time trial got there just in time to make first round and goes on and wins that race at uh at st louis track there so that was a at gateway so that was a big deal gauge always right. performing at a high level gauge birch illinois state champion yes that was mm-hmm. the illinois state championship yes sir uh which was in um st louis so uh, well it's it's
0: technically it's 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 on that side of the river it's 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 madison illinois but you can see the arch
1: from the staging lanes i see <laughs> so big big job great job there by gage birch again And i think he just sat in the car for the first time when he got the first win just uh, keeps impressing us we're gonna hear a lot more about gage as the years go by so but who gets the next spot i think we're at number three
2: Brandon Umberger, he dominated at the Boise Nightfire Nationals.
1: Yeah, we uh, documented that well a couple of shows ago. But Brandon Umberger took the, the shove it and just wrecked them out there in Boise. Uh, big, big, big weekend for him, um, deserving to be on the list. Getting some West Coast love. I love it. JJ, Who's, have you have you heard? Have <laughs> I
0: heard what? It's the year of the Chevette. <laughs> It's no wonder Brandon Humberger makes the list.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. We might hear of another Chevette being on the, one of these lists for hey, So It wouldn't surprise me. It is 2018, <laughs> the year of the Chevette. Slash <laughs> Team 1000 Who's number two, big guy?
2: Number two will be Devin Dudley. He won back-to-back five granders.
1: Yeah, Devin, back-to-back five grand wins at uh, the Loose Rocker race at Virginia Motorsports Park. Uh, again, we know Devin through the World Footbreak Challenge and all the big money footbrake races out on the East Coast. But getting 5K wins back-to-back in a talented field like shows up at those Loose Rocker events, um, very, very, very impressive once again. So great job by Devin. Somebody must have done something pretty special to beat that. Who's going to be number one on the list?
2: Number one is going to be Thomas Fletcher. He won a top-bulb race, but was hitting the bottom.
1: Now, Thomas Fletcher, that, was, uh, that, that put us in a bit of a pickle. We was, really wasn't sure where to go, but we knew it was uh, a very uh, awesome feat. And Thomas, since he was hitting the bottom, it was a bottom-bulb performance, even though it was a top-bulb race. So we It was him- called the top-bulb 10s. Yeah, but he was hitting the bottom. Uh, So if you're hitting the bottom, shouldn't you be judged by your performance on the bottom? Hey, I'm not going to argue with you. I don't know. We need to write some rules for that. But nonetheless, (laughs) (laughs) awesome, awesome job by Thomas Fletcher. Uh, So he took the family Chevelle wagon, showed up at the top bulb race. This wasn't one of those deals where they run the, the bottom bulbers separate and they get them down to one or something. I think he just jumped right in there with the top bulbers every round. Uh, extremely hard to beat top bulbers when you've got the same equipment they've got when you're hitting the bottom it just adds a degree of difficulty so jj and i felt like thomas was very deserving of that number one spot so all right jj we've got your uh top five juniors and top five bottom bulbers obviously top bulb is all that's left who you got
2: all right, number five is going to be Ernie Humes, He won a 20 grander at Kevin Pollard's race at Farmington Dragway.
1: Yeah, Ernie uh, kicking down the door on the super pro side, very well known for winning bottom bulb races, has uh, started hitting the top quite a bit the last couple of years and finally got his signature big buck win, $20,000 to the good at Kevin Pollard's Money Tree Triple Tens at Farmington. Great job, Barney. Who you got next, big guy?
2: Number four is going to be Nick Duty. He had an emotional 10K win in memory of a very good friend of his.
1: Yeah, Nick Duty Again, the year of the Chevette, took his Chevette to a $10,000 win. Um, we talked about that. We interviewed Nick here on the show. That was a very emotional win for him, but really awesome to see him in the very few opportunities he gets to come out with that 10k win especially with all the the emotion and and feeling surrounding it so great job by nick being in the number four spot so bud take us to number three
2: number three is going to be J.R. loebner he won four out of five races in top (sighs) sportsman
1: Loebner, so top sportsman getting some love on the top bulb list. It is technically a top bulb bracket race. They're just doing it really, really fast, and they're doing it at NHRA races. So when we looked at it, we felt like JR was very deserving. Uh, Just, Luke, we've talked about it quite a bit here on the show. The last several shows, uh, JR's name just keeps popping up. Tremendous performance by him over the last month or so.
0: We talk almost as much about JR as we do about Chevette's and T one thousands.
1: Just nearly. If he was in a Chevette or a T oh my, it would break. Be long enough. <laughs> yeah, we we would break Apple iTunes. Done. <laughs> and Podbean or whatever. So <laughs> that too. All right, bud. Number two on the top bulb list. Who you got?
2: Number two is going to be Carl Drake Jr. He won a seventy five k at the
1: SFG event in Ohio. Yeah, Carl Drake Jr. uh, Just performing at a real high level. Got that 75K win. He's had uh, some other big final rounds surrounding that. I can't really name them off the top of my head right at the moment, but I know we've talked about CJ a little bit here lately and uh, just a guy that's performing at a very, very high level on the top bulb side of things. So very deserving of your number two spot but somebody you felt like performed just a little bit better than that or got a little bit bigger win or something because you got number one left. And this will wrap up your top ten. Who is it, big guy?
2: Number one is going to be Randy Shire. He won a 75K race at the SFG event in Ohio and a 10K race at Keystone Raceway.
1: Yeah, Randy Shire, um, and probably one something else that I missed uh, that when we were putting that together, but I, I knew I told you about those two. Randy Shire, APD guy, just a uh, uh, guy that always performs at a high level and just continues to show up at these big events and put his name right in the mix. Uh, great job by Randy, Luke. I know you're very familiar with Randy as well, being an APD man, but um, just a guy that... Just always seems to put his name near the top, if not at the top.
0: What a month for the APD crew! Between Randy winning everything under the sun and Joey goes out and wins the U.S. Nationals, uh, they're living right up there in Ohio.
1: Yeah, Joey did just get that done. You know, man, that well, I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. That thing is a beast. But yeah. Randy Shire, your number one spot in the top ball list. JJ, another awesome job by you. I mean, it's not easy for a guy that's just entered high school and, and all you got going on with your advanced classes and you got a band that you're participating in, you you go racing, you got this segment on the podcast. It's hard for you to get it all worked out, but you just somehow did it once again. Awesome job, bud. Well, thank you.
2: Um, I try. So,
0: um, I'm impressed. I mean, you got you got two you got two um, Chevettes in there. You got a Devin in there. It's it's also, I don't know if it's the year of the Devin. It's the show of the Devin. I mean, we got Devin Eisenhower coming on. You got Devin Dudley in the top ten. We're all about Devons. We're all about Chevettes. We're all about JJ. <laughs> We're all about high school. It's good stuff, my man.
2: Well, thank you. Um, I Like I said, I tried to do my best on picking where these guys go and what spots.
1: Well, you did a great job. I'm sure they're all very appreciative of being named on your list, and we're very appreciative of having you. It's uh, getting a little bit late here in Colburg, Alabama. It's just about time for you to get laid down and get ready for another day of high school tomorrow. So we're going to finish this up. Just want to say thank you once again, bud. Awesome job, and can't wait till the next one.
0: Me neither. JJ, I gotta pipe in. Do you have you gotten any like um like I know you get a lot of hey thanks for including me. Do you get anybody lobbying to be included in JJ's top ten, like pressuring you? Or do you get any heckling over not being included? Have you run into any of that yet?
2: I have not. I have had somebody um message me and tell me what they did so that I could uh put them on the left and they still wound
0: up not quite making the cut
1: (laughs) (laughs) well well i mean
0: that just goes to show that jj cannot be bullied into inclusion i mean you got to make up your own mind you can't let nobody else do it for you that's true i know
1: he, he went to a big slot car race in Arkansas over the weekend, so I was afraid he was going to come back and want to try to get some of his slot car buddies on the list, but I uh, did not do that. We might get a slot car top 10 or top five or something one day. But
0: <laughs>
1: Right now, we'll stick to the list that we got, bud. Thanks a lot once again. Awesome job, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.
2: All right. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's On Tap!
0: Jed, it looks like, at this point early in the week, that the winner of the weekend might be... Mother Nature. We already talked about the Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge being postponed. We went over that in the mid-roll. Date to be determined. That race will happen a little bit later in the year. It will not happen this weekend. Similarly, the NHRA Division 5 event up in Earlville, Iowa has already been canceled or postponed, I guess is the right word. It was previously scheduled to happen, of course, this weekend. Again, Tri-State Raceway in Earlville, Iowa facilities underwater. They've had a bunch of rain up there. It doesn't look like it's going to get any better. A lot more rain predicted throughout the week and have parking issues at the very least. So that race has actually been moved to Great Bend, Kansas an SRCA drag strip on September 27th and 28th. That is a Thursday and Friday prior to the already scheduled Division 5 closer that Saturday and Sunday. So that would be um, September 29th and 30th. So that'll be a double divisional at SRCA, the famed SRCA in Great Bend, Kansas. Uh, Again, that race in total will run from September 27th to the 30th. Alcohol classes will compete Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with Sunday eliminations and uh, track plans to conduct a test day on Wednesday prior to the double divisional. Uh, Division five plans to release a detailed schedule later this week.
1: Yeah, Luke, Mother Nature imposing her will on those events. Not a ton of stuff on the calendar for you, but there's a couple of uh, races that uh, appear that they will go off without a hitch, and that's uh, Old Dominion Duels at Richmond Dragway up in Virginia will happen this weekend for the bracket racers in that area, and the NHRA Division One will get to uh, have an event there, a Lucas Oil event, at New England Dragway in Epping, New Hampshire, so uh, a little bit of something for the bracket side and the NHRA racers in those areas.
0: All right. It's that time, Jed. We teased it earlier. We're going to close the show with our Racer Confidential Series. And I want to shout out our listeners for some incredible submissions. We read some fun ones last week. These two, uh, just peeking ahead a little bit, Big Jed, these these two are good. The two submissions that we're going to read off this week for (laughs) Racer Confidential. Again, if you haven't heard the last few episodes of the podcast, what we're trying to accomplish with this Racer Confidential series is we're trying to get you to tell the stories that you wouldn't otherwise tell publicly on your friends by being able to keep them anonymous. So this is the really good stuff. This is the stuff that you might not be too proud of that your friends might not be too proud of, but are really entertaining stories. We can put them out here without naming names
1: and just tell the story. So did you want to take the first one? Yeah, I'll take the first one. Um, it was actually submitted by a good friend of mine. We won't mention his name, but, uh, he starts out telling us he was at working at an event that combines both heads up racing and bracket slash index racing. He said, I'm one of a few new hires to work for a well-known organization. The final round of Saturday qualifying was underway, and he said, I find myself at the scales with a fellow new hire that is checking weights on heads-up cars. So he's working the scales there with, a, with another newbie, um, still kind of learning how things go. One racer in particular has now rolled across the scale and comes up 10 pounds light. He has yet to qualify. Now, we're in the final qualifying session. He's he's yet to get in. He shows up 10 pounds light. He came up light on both of his earlier qualifying attempts. So they push the car back off the scale. They verify the scale, set it zero, and the racer rolls back on the scale and is 10 pounds light once again. Okay, I'm thinking he's light. So the scale man starts to tell the racer, we'll push you off the scale and to the side since, since eliminations are the next day. And we'll try to re-weigh you, including spinning a car around 180 degrees to get weight with the car facing the other direction. They're trying everything they can to help him pass and get his car to pass the weight restrictions. Uh, Since there was a mild wind, they figure they'll try all that, try to help him. But he only gets to the seventh or eighth word before the racer says, this is bleep. Insert whatever word you want to put in there. Reaches under his seat and chucks a lead bar at the scale man where it lands just short (laughs) you know of his sneakers The scale man you know is probably a nice calm southern experienced gentleman he merely looks the lead bar hands it back to the racer and then the weight log after a few seconds he says so what are you wanting to debate the 10 pound light scale weight Or the unsecured ballast in your race car, (laughs) which we all know is a rules infraction. (laughs) So the racer closed the door, rolled off the scales and off to his trailer and finally gave up. Just said, you know what? You're right. I lose.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Racer X here that submitted this. Because actually, like in the email, it says this is bleep. Like we did, you didn't even have to leave anything out. Like it actually leaves a little bit to the to the imagination, because this is could be a number of things. This is great. <laughs> I like that. All right, I'm gonna actually break some of the rules of racer confidential on this second submission. I'm not gonna share who this came from because that would definitely be naming names. If you uh, once you hear the story, you'll understand. But I have to uh, at least name one of the names here because, I think most of our West Coast racers would figure this out anyway, and I just think it paints a really cool picture of a really cool lady. So we're going to break the rules a little bit, Um, and I don't think anybody's going to care. All right, so our uh, submission (laughs) is from, from Racer Y. It says, I'm up at uh, Sonoma Raceway several years ago for the divisional. We used to party pretty good back then. Uh, We've had a pretty good outing for us at the time, so we decided to head into town, tear things up a bit, seeing as we were staying for the national event the next week. Jed, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. That's always a bad situation. Like, that's that's (laughs) zap for trouble, okay? (laughs) So uh, our our contributor says, we'd never been to Sonoma before, so as we left the gate, we asked the security— how late would we be able to get back in? And the guy at the gate told us they'd be open until like 9 o'clock p.m. But if we came back and they were closed, just wait until the security guard on duty came back around, like they would be, you know, driving around the facility. So, okay, no problem. That's cool. So we head into town and we do what most would do. We have some dinner, have a few drinks, get a little rowdy, head back to the track at, let's say, 11 or 11.30, probably. So for some reason, I... I don't – that probably makes me dispute this part of the story. But whatever. For the sake of the story, let's (laughs) say that Racer Y and his buddies arrived back at the facility between 11 and 11.30. Needless to say, back to the story, when we got back to the track, the gates were closed. The security guard was apparently out on patrol, so we wait, Uh, Racer Y says – goes on to say – I'm bored and pretty much half in the bag, admittedly. So I get out to move around. I walk over to one of the gates, and I just kind of put my foot in it, and the gate swings a little back and forth. Well, I'm drunk, and I'm bored, and I've found myself a game. So I keep pushing it back and forth, and all of a sudden, I hear a snap, and the gate swings open. So I say, hey, boys, this one's open. So in the truck, we go, and we drive on in. Just as we get in the gate and round the first corner, here comes the aforementioned security truck. So I step on it. Now we're running. The security truck chases me around the road course for a couple minutes. As I get a little bit of a lead on it, I see my buddy's trailer, who we will not mention, and figured I'd just hide out. So I pull in, turn the truck off real quick, shut off all the lights, and we duck down and hide in the truck. Now I text my buddy, whose trailer we're at, real quick and just tell him, hey, I'm hiding from security outside your trailer. So the security truck rolls by and then swings around, comes back and stops. And this female security guard hops out, looks around, can't find anybody. So she goes and knocks on the door of my buddy's camper. He comes out of the trailer looking for a fight. This poor little security lady accuses him of kicking open the gate and immediately gets an earful. Right? Our racer buddy says, I've been in my trailer the whole time. I don't know whose truck this is. Leave me alone. I'm freaking sleeping. They go back and forth quite a bit because she knows that that's the same truck she was just chasing, and some pretty choice words are said back and forth. I guess after a few minutes, she realizes that she's not going to get anywhere, so she leaves. At that point, we all pile out of the truck, laugh about what just happens, commence to drinking some more, and playing cornhole until the wee hours of the morning. So, we're staying for the National, and as I said, we're staying at the racetrack. At the time, I had a very noticeable pickup truck, which is something that kind of slipped my mind in my drunken state. So we get through Monday just fine, but Tuesday morning, I hobble out of the trailer just in time to find the track manager. That's Georgia Seiple. That was the name I was not going to withhold. And the head of security pulling up to my trailer. Good morning, I say. What's up? And then the manager says to me, well, someone cut the lock on our gate the other night, and our security guard says that she chased your truck around the parking lot at this point racer y responds whoa whoa i I didn't i didn't cut the lock he says and as i instantly turn into a canary and tell the whole story to georgia and she says well apparently your buddy racer z and who came out of the trailer told my security guard that he was gonna punch her in the face and that's a real problem (laughs) so racer y said ah well He said if she was a man, he'd punch her in the face, and clearly she's not a man. So I don't think that's much of a threat. She laughs, but the head of security didn't find it too funny and says, you know, we could throw you out of here and not let you race next week. Georgia waves him off and says, no, we're not going to do that. Are you boys going to do that again? (laughs) Well, I said, I guess it depends on how we do next week. (laughs) And she laughs. So we go on talking a bit, but still not sure if I'm going to get into any trouble or just get away scot-free. And then we mention we need to go do some shopping before the national event. Georgia says that there's a Costco not too far away. Well, we don't have a Costco card, my friend says. So at this point, Georgia whips out her Costco card, hands it to me, and says, here, just bring it back when you're done. To this day, we still don't know who actually cut the lock. And Georgia Seipel is the coolest track manager we've ever met.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, there's no doubt about that. Miss George is uh, is awesome, and uh, she's in control at all times. But uh, it was really nice of her to let him off the hook. <laughs> but uh, that was a that was a really cool story. I like that one a lot. All right, we're gonna close this thing up. Yeah. Luke, I guess uh, that's going to end it for us. This is going to wrap up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I want to say thanks to our sponsors, uh, the Great American Bracket Race, which uh, we know has been postponed. Again, when you're hearing this, the new date will probably be released already, so make sure you're staying in tune to to that and what Galen and Britt are going to do as a reschedule. And, of course, the great folks at BT, bringing our BT Who's Hot and uh, certainly a great partner for us here on the show. Luke, the shout-out list is long and distinguished.
0: Uh, yeah, I've been keeping up a little bit better today. Shout-out to our guests, Devin Eisenhower, J.J., the correspondent, our top correspondent, our only correspondent. <laughs> shout-out to J.J. for an awesome list this week, and I'm glad he got the memo from the Chevettes. Shout-out to Chevetz. Shout-out to, to keeping it purely professional, which J.J. did. Appreciate that. Not letting the slot cars get in there. Just whatever. <laughs> we, we're weeding out all of the BS. We're getting down to business. I appreciate that professionalism from our only correspondents.
1: Uh, He's a to shout out.
0: now, Luke. That's a good point. There's some maturity involved there. <laughs> all right. So shout out to JJ. Shout out to Devin. Shout out to Devin's mom, Michelle Eisenhower, and her Margaritas. Shout out to Ella Flett. Shout-out to Devin Froud, Devin Eisenhower, and Devin Dudley. It is becoming the year of the Devin. Of course, shout-out to Chevets. Shout-out to T1000s as well. It is the year of the Chevetz slash T1000. Shout-out to Pintos because Pinto Drivers 2019 is coming. Shout-out to Bad Beats. Don't know if we'll ever do that again, but it was fun while we tried. Shout-out to Joe Bowes, whoever that is, and John Bowes, who did win one of the 10 Granders at Norwalk and has won it <laughs> several times. So shout-out to John. Joe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> shout out to Skirt and Skinny and all everybody else from Ohio with cool nicknames. Shout out to the Bleep, I like the Bleep. <laughs> shout out to Georgia Cyple and the Big Nasty and to Ted too. Let's just shout out the entire Sybil family. On a personal note, I do want to shout out jake Coughlin Jr., Samantha, and the entire Jeg's team. I did get to drive the yellow and black Corvette Roadster and Super Gas at the Big Go. That was a treat. I didn't do it much justice, lost in round number three, but I had a great time and for. One of the few times in my life I had a dedicated crew chief so shout out to Randy Simpson you're awesome uh, I wish that I could hire someone like you full time that was
1: good stuff so thank you Jegs for the cool opportunity enjoyed my time at the big go Oh, very well done, my friend. And shout out to the kid with the mustache and the tattoos that welcomed <laughs> JJ to high <laughs> All right, guys. Be sure to tell us what you think about the show. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Or you can at either Luke or myself on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X. It was a great show. Had a lot of fun and we are uh, looking forward to talking to you again next week
2: i in